Cerebral is an online mental health service that offers prescription medication, counseling, and therapy for anxiety, depression, ADHD, insomnia, and more. Cerebral is one of the few services that provides prescription medication online through a licensed provider and ships medication straight to your door. You can schedule sessions based on what's most convenient for you, and you don't have to wait weeks to be seen. And BuzzFeed Daily listeners can receive 65% off your first month of medication management and care counseling at Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed. Go to Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed for 65% off your first month. Join Cerebral today on their mission to make quality mental health care accessible and affordable for all. Peacock streaming the biggest sporting events, exclusive originals, and the latest movies. This February, we've got Super Bowl 56, the 2022 Winter Olympics, and the Peacock Original Bel Air. Plus the new movie, Marry Me, in theaters and streaming Valentine's Day. Sign up now at PeacockTV.com. NFL fans, nothing compares to being there live. What a play! Now the crowd is alive. And the NFL's biggest season ever is now ready for the postseason. It's playoff time. We got to win. NFL playoff tickets are on sale now. Don't miss your chance to be a part of the postseason action on the road to Super Bowl 56. Visit NFL.com slash tickets for a complete listing of games. That's NFL.com slash tickets. The voice cast of the upcoming Super Mario Brothers movie has been announced and people have a lot of thoughts. Two hosts of The View had to step away from an interview with Kamala Harris after being diagnosed with COVID-19. And we're speaking with BuzzFeed News' Tanya Chen about the Gabby Petito case and the internet's unhealthy obsession with true crime. It's September 24th, 2021. Hey friends, I'm Casey Rackham. And I'm Stephen Conti. Welcome to BuzzFeed Daily. Oh, Stephen, should we talk about the Super Mario Brothers movie? If we have to, let's do it. <laughs> this, like, I feel like dropped like late afternoon yesterday and everyone was just like, why? What's happening? Just, you know, first of all, we shouldn't be doing it because as all of our producers know, and they informed us today that there's already the perfect Super Mario Brothers movie. And that is a big shout out to Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo. <laughs> And we have a movie we have to watch right after this. But yes, we there's do. unfortunately another one of the works. And the internet is divided over the voice cast list. So basically, Chris Pratt and Charlie Day will voice Mario and Luigi, respectively. We're also getting Anya Taylor-Joy as Princess Peach, Jack Black as Bowser, Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong, Keegan-Michael Key as Toad, and Fred Armisen as Cranky Kong. You know, and the internet is mostly excited, although some folks are very upset that Chris Pratt was cast as Mario in Instead of Danny DeVito. <laughs> I mean, it was right in front of them. Come on. It truly was. I mean, this is a movie that was like tailor made for the internet. Right, right. And I, I am a little confused why they would go with Chris Pratt, who is sort of like public enemy number one of the internet right now. Danny DeVito would have been a good option. I actually think Charlie Day, who they put as Luigi, would have been great as <laughs> Mario. Um, yeah, I'm confused by some of it. Some of it is dead on, though. Right. Yes, 100%. Um, um, Jack Black, Seth Rogen, great, good job. Yeah. And Anya Taylor Joy is Princess yes, Peach. Yes, Anya like, Taylor I, Joy's Peach. I was like, okay, you guys, you guys did a really good job with that one. But yeah, it's. But do you know what's like kind of sad is that okay, so the movie's animated, but I do kind of wish it was live action because it would then be the most ridiculous movie in the entire world, and I would go see it. 
Yeah, I think I'd be more likely to see it if it were live action because a movie like this is only as good as it is campy, right? Right, so, right, like, exactly, I feel like just, exactly. Just lean into it, whatever. But do you, do you we know do what have I'm, to watch. Do you know what I'm upset about, though, Steve? <laughs> what? When I play, I play Waluigi. Where's Waluigi? <laughs> oh, that's a really good point. Where have they not announced is he? that yet? Where is my bye icon? <laughs> Okay, so we have to watch out for Waluigi, but the rest of the cast, I'm feeling a little bit mixed about. <laughs> yes. All right, well, in other news, The View hosts Sonny Hostin and Anna Navarro had to leave set after testing positive for COVID, and it all happened live on air. So a producer asked them to step away just moments before Vice President Kamala Harris was supposed to come on stage. As the producers looked for another studio for Harris to do the interview from remotely, Joy Behar explained what was going on. Since this is going to be a major news story any minute now, yeah. what happened is that uh, Sonny and Anna both apparently tested positive for COVID. No matter how hard we try, uh, these things happen. They probably have a breakthrough case and they'll be okay, I'm sure, because they're both vaccinated up the wazoo. You know, a lot yeah. of vaccines. So the interview went forward sort of as planned. It ended up being like the last 10 minutes of the show. She was from like a little room cloistered away instead of being on the actual set. And she took the opportunity to talk about the importance of getting vaccinated. Sunny and Anna are strong women and I know they're fine, but it really also does speak to the fact that they're vaccinated and vaccines really make all the difference because otherwise we would be concerned about hospitalization and worse. (laughs) <laughs> so many questions, Stephen, about how things are run on The View. <laughs> I know. Well, OK, can I tell you my theory? Yes, yes, please. I because I, I've I've thought about this all morning <laughs> because surely like the, the show itself must have like a testing procedure in place. My guess and this is just a guess. This is not fact, but I'm guessing that ABC does their testing on some sort of cycle, but that when Kamala showed up, the White House probably has their own testing process for anyone who comes into contact with Joe or Kamala or anyone like really high level. I'm guessing that was sort of sprung on them. And I'm just guessing that there were some producers absolutely shitting their fucking pants waiting for the results to come back. And I'm sure they were telling themselves like, of course, they're all going to be negative. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. And then... 50% 50% of the hosts on stage had COVID. I know that was that was wild that two of them had it. But then I think what was wild was just like, I wonder what was going through the other two hosts heads because they were sitting next to them. Yes, yes, they were six feet apart, but they're still in an indoor studio without masks on near them. But again, just like Kamala was saying, vaccines do work and they stop you from getting seriously ill. So at least they wouldn't have been too stressed. No, it's so true because, you know, before there were vaccines, finding out that someone had COVID was often a very alarming and scary thing where you were you were starting to worry about hospitalization and all that stuff. And, you know, that both Sunny and Anna have said that they are double vaccinated, which means the risk of death is zero and the risk of hospitalization is almost zero. So I wish them a speedy recovery, but I'm sure they're doing just fine. All right. So moving on, chances are you've heard about Gabby Petito, the hashtag van life Instagrammer who went missing and whose case had the Internet buzzing and trying to help until she was sadly found dead. BuzzFeed News' Tanya Chen joins us today to talk about whether these amateur sleuths are doing more harm than good and how pure their intentions actually are. Hi, Tanya. Thank you so much for joining us today. 
Thank you for having me again. Of course. So before we get into your article, can you give our listeners a quick summary of the Gabby Petito case? What exactly happened? Sure. So as you guys probably are aware, things are still developing every day um, very quickly. But what happened essentially was Gabby Petito was a 22-year-old, it's a micro-influencer. She was traveling in a van with her fiance, Brian Laundrie, throughout the West side of the U.S., And in late August, she was kind of last seen and had been suspected to go missing sometime in late August. Suspiciously, her fiance drove home alone on September 1st in her van without her. And he's since been MIA. Sadly, this week, detectives confirmed that they found her remains um, in the area where she was last seen. And coroners determined that it was a homicide. So they're still trying to find answers and mostly hinging on finding Brian, who may have some answers to what happened to Gabby. And, you know, in the last week, this story really gained national media attention, but that has a lot to do with TikTok. Can you explain the role that TikTok played in circulating this story? Yeah. So from the time the initial reports of Gabby going missing started circulating, I remember logging to TikTok, even just like moments, um, definitely within an hour or so. And people were already kind of openly discussing the case in videos that were kind of going viral in lifetime and being pushed onto the For You page, or at least my For You page. It, it created this like open forum for people to hypothesize what could have happened, you know, who was at fault, this kind of scramble to find clues online on Gabby's Instagram page and on the, the couple's YouTube channel. And even her Spotify was mined. So it definitely played in a role in kind of the furthering kind of attention that this case got. Yeah, the piece you wrote for BuzzFeed News is all about true crime fans, particularly the ones you're describing now on TikTok. There are tons of internet sleuths who have been trying to help solve the case. But at the same time, there are some TikTokers who are maybe using the Gabby Petito case to bolster their own following since this is just now going so viral. How do you discern whether these users' motives are actually noble or if they're just being opportunistic? Right. So the um, the TikTok user who I interviewed for that piece characterized it really nicely. Her name is Jessica Dean. She had kind of lived through the infamous Slenderman stabbing um, and had known many people involved in that case personally. So she has a really good perspective on not only this, but true the true crime frenzy of it all that she reminds us that we should all keep in mind when we're talking about it. She basically said that it most likely isn't malicious or it's happening on a subconscious level, but it is concerning that people feel such liberty to kind of turn to their TikTok accounts and post and talk so openly about the case as if they were gossiping to friends about it. But they're actually, their gossip is now being blasted to millions of people and kind of influencing millions of people's opinions before we even know what's going on or where the next lead or update can can take us. Um, so, and, and sometimes they will, TikTokers will correct the information that they have um, in a follow-up TikTok, but they won't always delete the original one. So she pointed out how problematic that is um, because the original one has garnered a lot of views and now we are all beholden to views and these statistics for, for our value online. And so it's a really kind of tragic formula that doesn't prioritize just trying to get 
the right information out there to get closer to figuring out what happened to Gabby. Yeah. You know, you mentioned that TikTok user, Jessica Dean, and her own history of being in very close proximity to a true crime event, the Slenderman stabbings, which then, you know, everyone ran wild with, and there were all these documentaries and shows and podcasts about, and and she experienced it as an actual, like, human in that town. So she made this parody video of what TikTokers sound like uh, when they're talking about Gabby Petito, and I want to play it right now. Oh my God, did they find her? No, I, no. Why would you say you're excited? Why, why does it matter? I like true crime. Okay. I like true crime. It is my personal interest. So I know this is a parody, but is this what TikTokers actually behave like? I think it's an exaggerated. Yeah. It's parody for that reason. It's, it's, it's exaggerated, but it does touch on the, um, the crux of her criticism and why stuff like this is, you know, she's trying to hit us over the head with it because sometimes it can be so normalized and it can just like pass through us and we're not even thinking about it. It's like, she's basically pointing out all the disassociative ways that we talk about true crime. Like it's a thriller happening in real time and we're all like in a murder mystery of some kind. Yeah. You know, like I said, there's a mad dash to like, for people to feel like to play uh pseudo detectives and pseudo journalists and trying to like call as much information and put it out there without vetting it um, or any kind of standards in place. You know, some people are riffing on it a little bit mindlessly saying like, you know, the common comment that's like, I'm commenting on this video to stay on Gabby talk or, you know, someone tagged me for the latest update. And these are now memes being attributed to a death and a serious crime that we're all trying to litigate publicly. So yeah, that is what is concerning and what she was trying to kind of nail with just kind of doing these like caricature impersonations of people. All right, we're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back to discuss more of the backlash of the Gabby Petito case. Fit. We're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self-doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. It's time to gear up for the NFL postseason. Yes, sir! Head over to NFLshop.com today for the largest assortment of officially licensed gear. I need it! NFL Shop is your destination for jerseys, T-shirts, headwear, and more. Oh, you're sweet with it! Come back after the game for the best selection of NFL gear anywhere. How you like that, baby? Rep your team pride with styles fit for the whole family. To shop now, go to NFLshop.com. After 30 years, it's time to return to the halls of West Beverly High and hang out at the Peach Pit. On the podcast 9021 OMG, join Jenny Garth and Tori Spelling for a rewatch of the hit series Beverly Hills 90210 from the very beginning. We get to tell the fans all of the behind the scenes stories that actually happened. So they know what happened on camera, obviously, but we can tell them all the good stuff that happened off camera. Get all the juicy details of every episode that you've been wondering about for decades as 90 
0210 superfan and radio host Sissini sits in with Jenny and Tori to reminisce, reflect, and relive each moment from Brandon and Kelly's first kiss to shouting, Donna Martin graduates. You have an amazing memory. You remember everything about the entire 10 years that we filmed that show. And you remember absolutely nothing of the 10 years that we filmed that show. <laughs> Listen to 9021OMG on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. We're talking with BuzzFeed's Tanya Chen about Gabby Petito, whose recent disappearance set social media into a tailspin. So, Tanya, one thing we can't ignore is why Gabby's case is getting so much attention. It happens a lot when a victim is young, female, white, and conventionally attractive. Here's a clip of MSNBC's Joy Reid on this specific issue. Without saying that no family should ever have to endure that kind of pain. And the Petito family certainly deserves answers and justice. But the way this story has captivated the nation has many wondering, why not the same media attention when people of color go missing? Well, the answer actually has a name, missing white woman syndrome. I mean, Joy Reid is not wrong. It seems like whenever something like this happens, there's an additional conversation about people who go missing that don't fit the missing white woman description, specifically people of color, and why they don't receive that same media attention. Yet it never really seems to change. I mean, why do you think that is? So I think it's kind of a bad feedback loop that we have going. The more people who intrinsically take to a pretty young white woman narrative, the more the media will cover it to satiate kind of that curiosity. And the more attention it gets, the more people are even more invested and kind of the cycle kind of feeds into itself until here we are. But we are also having this critical conversation about how to interrupt the cycle. I think one way to interrupt the cycle is to have conversations like we're having right now that is also openly happening online, asking ourselves why do we give more attention and more intrinsic value to white victims and white women victims who go missing. And, you know, like the Joy Reid clip that you played, they rightfully point out that it's not that we should like take back our care and attention Mm. off of like white women victims. It's that we should be mindful of elevating the same kind of care and attention give to non-white victims. Yeah. And, you know, despite this being a common thread, this idea of like the attractive white woman going missing, Gabby's case feels particularly unique in how much scrutiny it's under. There's just been update after update about it, both from social media and news outlets. Gabby's physical appearance aside, what is it about this case that you think is resonating with people? Is there something about the case that throws it into the national spotlight more? Or I wonder if the story has some sort of advantage algorithmically in social media feeds? Yeah, absolutely. I think this like strange new quality about her and her case is that she was an influencer and she was someone who lived her life pretty publicly and out loud. So she was trying to make a living by sharing parts of herself that people could ogle at or connect with. And that means that when something tragic like this happens, there's so much data out there or like it could be meaningless data or it could be really meaningful. And we're all like projecting what we think, you know, onto this stuff. So that is a fascinating and and strange kind of time that we're living in and a strange way to try to piece things together. And I think that is also what got people to jumping online immediately, you know, not just to find information from news outlets and from official reports, but to 
go on her page or themselves or find even more personal traces of her that she didn't even mean to put out there. So I think that is kind of the unique aspect of this case that we haven't seen in other true crime cases. You know, this is just kind of the latest evolution of how everyday people involve themselves in cases like this one. Can you tell us your overall thoughts about the Internet's obsession with true crime? I mean, is there anything stopping people doing this for, unfortunately, the next case? I mean, I hope this was like a chaotic experiment for us to kind of look at ourselves and and to reassess you know, how we want to be talking about these things, how we want to make our imprint on the internet and on lives of people, especially, you know, her family and and everyone else involved um, personally in that case. And yeah, it probably is worthwhile to take a step back to ask ourselves, like, what are we doing by talking about it? What's motivating us to talk about it? If it's just some like morbid curiosity I don't think we should be ashamed of that kind of natural quality, but, you know, keep that to yourself because the impact of you sharing it online can be much greater than you even realize in that moment. Yeah, making sure you're centering whatever you're posting or sharing on information that has been vetted, that is useful to finding out the quote unquote truth of what happened. And yeah, keeping her family in mind. I think everyone has kind of said that incessantly, but it, it really is true. It, it just kind of helps anchor this to a very human cause and not entertainment, you know, not like a podcast series that's going to go viral. Uh, well, Tanya, thank you so much for joining us today and breaking all of this down. Yeah. Thanks for having me again. That's it for today. Come back and join us on Monday. And remember, Danny DeVito was right there. Right there, people. BuzzFeed Daily is produced by Dan Bowza, Frank Capello, and Jess Goodwin. Special thanks to Erica Nedanine and Samantha Hennig. Be sure to subscribe to BuzzFeed Daily on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to come back for more of what you love about BuzzFeed, coming to you daily. It's time to gear up for the NFL postseason. Head over to NFLShop.com today for the largest assortment of officially licensed gear. I need it! NFL Shop is your destination for jerseys, t-shirts, headwear, and more. Oh, you're sweet with it! Come back after the game for the best selection of NFL gear anywhere. How you like that, baby? Rep your team pride with styles fit for the whole family. To shop now, go to NFLShop.com. We've all felt left out. And for people who move to this country, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. You can watch the NFL playoffs like a fan, or you can prep like a scout if you listen to the award-winning Move the Sticks podcast. The show is hosted by me, Daniel Jeremiah, and my partner, Bucky Brooks. The two of us are bringing the knowledge from a career as NFL talent scouts to the podcast world, so fans can watch and understand the nuances of the game like never before. We'll break down film from the professional and college game to get you ready for the Super Bowl, the draft, and kickoff next fall. Subscribe now and listen to the Move the Sticks podcast on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.